to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive By. You know that, and I know you know it because you're stopping me on the street now about it. You know we have been talking about the upcoming Sacred Activism Conference and are a co-sponsor of this conference. And as we've talked about before, this is truly, truly a blessed opportunity for us here in the Seattle area to be the first to host uh, a, the Sacred Activism Conference, a conference like this, no other conference like this exists. This is the first. We have been selected to be the home group. So we're the homies of the Sacred Activism Conference right here in Seattle. And as you know, we have been talking with, oh, so many of the presenters, so many of the fabulous people that have taken time out of their busy lives to step up to the plate and to make a statement about sacred activism and what this means and what this means in terms of the times we live in. And so today's guest is Marianne Williamson. And you've heard me talk about her now for about a week, uh, introducing her. She is an entry internationally acclaimed author and lecturer. She has published nine books, four of which, four of which including the bestsellers A Return to Love and Everyday Grace, have been number one New York Times bestsellers. Now, there are many, many things that I could say. I, I want to go on to say that for me personally, for me personally, my introduction to Marianne Williamson profoundly changed my life over a decade ago. And so what I want to say is that she has done so many things to really raise the bar for each and every one of us, including founding the Peace Alliance. Now, this is an international network of peace activists. And so for me, I know that in this moment, this is an extreme honor for all of us to be talking with a woman, an individual that has committed her life to all that is sacred. And we are honored right here on the Dr. Pat Show to have her with us today. There are many, many things that uh, she is involved with right now. And as a matter of fact, I love her latest book, The Gift of Change. And I'm going to actually be looking at this and talking about uh, about it today when, in, in our conversation. And I want to also mention to you that her newest professional venture is to have our own radio show to be aired on the new XM radio block called Oprah and Friends. And that will begin, I guess, in 2007. So she, Marianne, has done some unbelievable work and is here with us today to talk about her role in the upcoming Sacred Activism Conference and then so much more. So Marianne, thank you so much for joining the show today. Well, thank you. And that introduction was so generous and kind. I appreciate it. Uh, what I want to ask you about in all of this, you know, I'm talking about your journey. There's a question that I ask each and every one of my guests, and I would like to ask you this question. I've asked this question of just about everyone I've ever talked with on the radio. I've just introduced you, all of the things that you're doing, uh, all of the things that I know about anyway, and many of our listeners know of you and have read your books and have been inspired by who you are and what you do. My question to you would be, what are some of the challenges 
What are some of the obstacles that you personally have had to overcome to bring you to this very moment? Well, I think that the majority of obstacles that have been put in my way have been of my own making. Um, I think that the only way to be free, really, is to take 100% responsibility for all of your experience. So when you start pointing outside yourself to obstacles, particularly in a society like ours where we don't even know what obstacles are, most of us, Uh compared to what many people in the world deal with on a daily basis, and some people here. Um, I don't think that's helpful. So I'm aware that the biggest obstacles for me have been thought forms. And even in cases where other people have tried to trip me up, which certainly has happened, and where I've experienced betrayal or some level of abuse, that has happened also in adulthood, not in childhood. But even then, the deeper issue, I think, is what... I did to either make myself a experiences or conspire with them at least subconsciously to some extent. Um, you know, at the beginning of your program, your promo, you had this line about imagine how you would live if you knew you could not fail. Yes. And I thought that was very powerful because just thinking that, you know, you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a thought, but it's a powerful thought. I cannot fail. And so if you ask me what my what my biggest obstacles have been, they have been thought forms that I picked up somewhere along the way that I would describe as the opposite of that concept. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's really interesting. I, I would have to align with you totally on this. And it's really amazing to me uh, in terms of how often I, I thought I, I have this whole thought thing under quote control that somehow that just seeps in there something that just doesn't serve me or anyone else well i think to ever think you have that under control it's kind of like an alcoholic thinking that they're drinking under control the ego mind is such an insidious force that i think it behooves us to never assume we have our thinking under control I think that's what keeps us humble, what makes us remember. It's kind of like physical exercise. You really never get to a point where you can look in the mirror and say, I like the way my body looks now, so I don't have to exercise anymore. I don't think you can ever get to the point where you can say, my mind is pretty honed towards positive, faithful thought forms, so I don't have to pray or meditate or work on it daily anymore. So... I've messed up enough in my life to never think I have it under control. In fact, the very thought you have it under control is the essence of the problem when you make the problem. Oh, it's a huge boo-boo, isn't it? Mm It is huge. And, you know, it's so often we get to learn from, from those things that come in and out. And, you know, the work that you're doing, what were your thoughts when the folks contacted you and asked you, and asked you to be part of th- this conference? Well, my thought is, that the idea that this is something new is pretty preposterous. Mm-hmm. Um, I um, I wrote a book that came out in 1998 called um, Healing of America. And so I, I've been working for a long time with this 
idea of the intersection of spirituality and politics. And as a student of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and Mahatma Gandhi's philosophy, you know, this is, this is no reinvention of a wheel here. This whole idea of forces of the spirit that can be applied for broad-scale social and political ends goes back to Gandhi. There's certainly nothing new here. And um, myself, as, as someone who, who wrote The uh, Healing of America in 1998, applying to the best of my ability those principles of nonviolence as they specifically apply to contemporary American politics, and now as the chairman of the Peace Alliance, which is a grassroots campaign uh, supporting peace of legislation that would establish a U.S. Department of Peace. My, my concern, and I, I told Jim Garrison this, um, you know, even like when you said this is the first of its, of its kind, well, I, I'm not, I don't think that's true. I mean, the Peace Alliance has been doing its conferences, and Michael Lerner with Jakun has been doing his conferences. I think that, I mean, my hope is that because you have such a gathering here, from Michael Lerner to Andrew Harvey to Carolyn Mace to Jim Garrison, of course, um, my hope is that finally we can step up to the plate and have more of an umbrella sensibility. Also, of course, Deepak Chopra, whose latest book, Pieces the Way, is magnificent. Uh, and who has his alliance for a new humanity. So, you know, I, I think it's not exactly the highest side of our community's consciousness that everybody wants to start something new rather than joining as much as possible with things that are already going on. So I, I, that's what I hope. Uh, I mean, if you call it sacred activism, you know, to me that's just a phrase for spiritually inspired uh, political and social activism. Like I said, there's nothing new about that. And what I shared with Jim is that if this is just another conference and at the end of which everybody jumps up and down, yeah, 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 it's time to get political or it's time to get socially active, and then you have sort of the adrenaline high of that perspective, and then there's no follow-through in the way of nitty-gritty, um, down-on-the-ground activism, then it just will not have been much more than another conference. But I think that it hopefully will be very much more than just another conference, because I think the consciousness of, of the people who are um, participating, and hopefully of those who are attending is such that we're ready to go. Now, I have heard some talk that a lot of this had to do with preparing a ground for uh, mobilization for basically that, I'm paraphrasing, but for the 2008 presidential election. I hope it's not that because basically um, anyone in the so-called higher consciousness spiritual community is already usually left of center. Not all the time, but most of the time left of center. And if they're not, then we're not going to change that. But even talking about this in terms of mobilizing for the 2008, rather than a deeper political realization that this year is a midterm election year, this 2006 is huge, huge. And how these midterm elections go will have a lot 
to say about how things will be set up for 2008. So that's an example. I just hope that this conference uh, has political as well as spiritual savvy. That would be my hope. And, and I hope that as well. And you're absolutely right. Uh, I don't know what I was thinking there, but you're absolutely right. I mean, I've stood here and have done radio shows with, you know, congressmen from our state to, talking about conference. I've sat by side by side by, with Gloria Steinem. But we do, as you said, stand on the shoulders of all that come before. Yes, and I, I'm glad to hear you say what you just said because I think that our community, if I could use that term to have any meaning, but what I pick up just listening to your promos, etc. I think we have as much easy jargon as any other corner of society. And sometimes we do not do our most mature thinking. We almost infantilize ourselves. And so I was glad to hear you say that. Because um, we, we really need to be thinkers right now, particularly the women, um, for certain reasons. I think that women, even more than men, inherit particular thought forms. And I'm not saying men don't either, because they do, and some of them are very oppressive of men and oppressive of humanity. But women, I think, particularly have to, it's almost like every time you have a thought, Give it a reality check. Have you ever had this experience? I have. Sometimes you, you say something and then you go, actually, that was a lie. That's not what I think. <laughs> That's but what I, didn't I just know did. It until I said it. That's what just happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't even know until you hear yourself and you go, That's not actually what I think. So, you know, I'm getting on a plane to participate in this conference and I'm a big fan of Jim Garrison's and I'm a big fan of everybody who's participating. This is nothing but a. Uh, but an effort to have a deeper conversation about it. Um, I'm certainly in support of what Jim is trying to do, and I, I think that Jim's the person to do it too. Um, so, I, you know, so I think it's fabulous that, that we're doing it. And I hope great things come from it. Thank you for reminding me, because immediately reminded. Oh, yeah, you know, Pat. By the way, you spent ten days down there with Gene Houston practicing the whole social artistry exactly. thing. Let's just snap out of it right now, and you know, just let's have a wake-up call here. It won't hurt us to be a little more mature in our analysis of what we're doing. Oh, and I, I don't believe that we will ever have the kind of social influence, much less political influence, that we'd like if we do anything less. Let's take a break when we come back more with Marianne Williams. So this is the day where we can, you know, tap into this and get real about this. Because I think this gives each and every one of us an opportunity to check back in our own history bank, in our own thoughts, and figure out what's not working for us, what is working for us, and what's holding us back from taking some sort of action. Stay tuned. This is the Dr. Pat Show. We will be right back with Marianne Williamson. The Authority and Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. 
Talk Radio to Thrive By. You're invited to attend American Pacific University's Clinical Hypnotherapy Seminar August 11th through the 13th in Seattle for 40% off. Hypnosis is a scientifically verified and effective technique to help us change our lives. You'll learn how to guide yourself and others to lose weight, quit smoking, and be free of physical pain. Fascinating discussions, informative demonstrations, and interactive exercises will let you use hypnosis after only one weekend. Call 1-800-63-HYPNO or go to ampac.edu to learn more. Introducing a fantastic new breakthrough in oral detoxification from natural cellular defense. It safely removes poisons and heavy metal toxins from the body that may be the cause of many chronic illnesses. It's safe enough for a baby. Presented by CopiousHealth.com. For more information, call 206-423-6596. That's 206-423-6596. CopiousHealth.com. Gas prices are skyrocketing to over $3 per gallon and higher. Would you like to significantly increase your miles per gallon, extend your engine's life, and reduce toxic emissions? A revolutionary fuel enhancer used by the Chinese government, U.S. military forces, and many commercial truck fleets is now available to all of us. For information, call 1-877-919-5417. That's 1-877-919-5417. Visit e- EthosFuelPower.com. Get your Ethos Fuel Enhancer now. The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili. Bonjour. My name is Veronique Raskin. I founded the Organic Wine Company 25 years ago. If you love wine and have not tried our French wines, you are in for a treat. Nowadays, people everywhere are buying organic fruits and vegetables because they know they taste better. Organic grapes are so luscious. When turned into wine, you can really taste the difference with every sip. So our wines are delicious and eco-friendly. So I want to make it easy for you to try them out. Call me right away at 1-888-ECO-WINE and I will send you three of my favorite organically grown French wines at half off the regular price. That's just $25 for shipping. Isn't that magnifique? I think so. If you don't share my enthusiasm, I'll gladly refund you money. So take me up on my offer and call me at 1-888-ECO-WINE. E-C-O-W-I-N-E. Au revoir. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to discover what's preventing you or your business from obtaining your goals, dreams, and vision. The Inquiring Mind is your partner. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. as Stephanie Durham, professional life coach, presents ACES. Authenticity, choices, empowerment, and success. Spanning 25 years of successful business tenure, in addition to over four years of training with Caroline Mace at the CMED Institute, Stephanie's authenticity and vast knowledge helps you objectively explore wise choices with her finely attuned facilitator skills, leading you to personal empowerment and ultimate success. Do you know you have power to create what you want in your life and in business? You do. This message will self-absorb in five seconds. For more information, call us toll-free at 1-866-461-6463. 
Are you feeling stuck, heavy, or crusted over in some part of your life? Have you lost your spark? Would you like help realizing your dream? Do you know what you want? Call Dr. Pat Vasily, certified career and belief coach, who wants to help you stop those negative thoughts that keep you running in circles. This award-winning author and researcher, Dr. Pat Vasily, brings a powerful, innovative approach to helping individuals live life full out. Call 206-523-5522 for a free consultation. That's 206-523-5522. I'm Dr. Pat Vasily, the host of The Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. I would like to help you take your empowering message to a community of people looking for products and services that honor the dignity of the human spirit, value all life on earth, and tap into the one true freedom we have, the freedom to choose. Let the Dr. Pat Show be your conduit to a global community of people who could benefit most from your product and service. Join the buzz, be the buzz, and let our success be your success. For more information, call me, Dr. Pat, at 206-523-5522. That's 206-523-5522. Join the Dr. Pat Show, the show that is changing the lives of thousands. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program. Here's Dr. Pat Basile. Hey, then. Welcome back. You're listening to the Dr. Pat Show. My guest today, best-selling author, Marianne Williamson. Marianne, thank you so much for joining the show today. Thank you for having me. I love that we just got real right there in that segment. Uh, let's talk about sacred activism for a minute. And, you know, we, we just touched on it briefly. But I think some of the questions that have been laid out uh, for us to, to talk about are really important in terms of letting the listeners know about a term perhaps that some of them have not really heard before. Sacred activism. What is that term? What does it mean? And what does it mean in a world that is perceived to be less than sacred? <clears throat> well, first of all, that, I'd like to narrow the, the purview of, of, of the conversation, if I might. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to, for a moment, specifically focus on what it means in terms of American society. Uh, American society, while we are very religious people, I mean, we have almost 300 million people in the United States, so this is not a monolith. I don't even think it's correct to say that, you know, most Americans don't hold the world as sacred. I think most Americans probably would say that they, in their own way, they hold it as very sacred. Now... Be that as it may, the thought system that dominates pretty much all of Western society, basically as a consequence of the Industrial Revolution, is very secular and material-based. We tend to, as as a product of the scientific revolution, we tend to use the five senses as our primary... uh, mode of identifying what we perceive to be reality. And I, I think that it is one of the more enlightened aspects of the U.S. Constitution 
and the fundamental grounding of American system of government, that we do have a separation of church and state. All of those things, both the good and the bad, have conspired to make the political conversation in the United States highly secular, probably even more secular than today you find in education or, or business uh, or medicine. I mean, in, in all those areas, the idea of allowing for a more spirit-based conversation has become pretty accepted over the last 20 and 30 years. You know, you have Harvard Medical School, you know, holding symposiums on integrative medicine and the place where medicine and spirituality intersect, etc. But politics has been an area deeply resistant. The political conversation in the United States has been deeply resistant to any uh, kind of spiritual dimension. And about this, the right-wingers are correct. The right-wing Christians are correct to say that there is a kind of anti-faith bias when it comes to American politics. But the problem is that there used to be in the United States what one would call the religious left. Uh, William uh, Sloan Coffin over at Yale, who just recently died, chaplain at Yale, was one of the leaders of the anti-war movement during the Vietnam War, for instance. The left, for reasons that I, I, I don't really understand, given that we are, the Democrats anyway, are the mm-hmm. party of uh, Martin Luther King Jr., Bobby Kennedy, etc., for whatever reason, since the 60s particularly, has become, it, it's almost like the M word. If you even bring up morality, for instance, there's this idea that it is the worst thing that could happen. And I think this is starting to change because they've paid a high price for it. But the damage that's been done already is that any kind of spiritual or moral or higher mind dimension to political and social values has been pretty much monopolized by the right wing. And for the most part, um, the higher consciousness community has played into their hands very well, into the hands of the right, actually, because we, too, have acted like somehow, just as the traditional leftist politicians have acted like they were sort of too good to talk about spirituality, uh, many people in the so-called spiritual movement have acted like their conversation was too good to be sullied by politics. So, to me, what is happening now is long overdue, and that is a conversation about how higher spiritual philosophical values, and there is, as I said before, Pat, there's mm-hmm. absolutely nothing new about this. Right. This is a conversation Bobby Kennedy had with the society. This is a conversation Martin Luther King had with the society. This is a conversation which, at his best, JFK had with the society. How do we take our higher moral values and have our political activism a container for those values? That, to me, is what this conversation is. Now, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, and, and I have told Jim Garrison this, when you use a fr- an expression like sacred activism, uh, that's not w- would not have been my choice. Uh, my highly esteemed colleague and dear friend, Andrew Harvey, I know has a book coming out by that title, which I think is great. But in terms of, and, 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 and I think it's a beautiful phrase, but in terms of, once again, our being serious and sophisticated about politics, I find the word sacred a little problematical. But that's just me. Um, the, the point is, it has to do with what, what, what we're talking about here. And 
regardless of what we call it and what we're talking about here, as I understand it, I'm sure everybody has their own take on it, but as I understand it is for the spiritual community who says love, 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 love. How can you talk about love but then not be willing to talk about how that applies to economic policy that affects the lives of millions of people on the planet every day? How can you talk about love, 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 but not talk about that in terms of foreign policy? that affects the lives of millions of people on the planet every single day. How can you talk about love, 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 but then not really want to get your hands dirty by conversations regarding uh, poverty, homelessness, etc.? So to me, what we're talking about, hopefully, is a long overdue re-engagement of the, of the spiritual conversation in America with social and political issues. I mean, where, where does honoring the dignity of the human spirit come in in all this conversation? And why are we so willing to leave that out of the conversation when we're, we're sitting down and we're thinking about, are we going to vote for this person, you know, who would then turn around and, you know, cut the Medicaid off, you know, or, or, or cut student loans or not make sure that we have health care? I mean, all of this, to me, has to do with whatever happened to the conversation, uh, you know, as my 88-year-old uncle would say on the left, with the human spirit. Spirit, with us as human beings. Where did that go, Marianne? Well, you've given the answer to your own question. You know, when you say where did it go, first of all, I mean, it, it's not like it went anywhere. It's just that the people who hold that conversation haven't been getting elected recently. That's right. That's what my uncle says as well. <laughs> it's, it's not like that conversation isn't, isn't held, but I think part of the problem on the left has been a... Um, has, has been a reticence, almost a resistance, to talking about such issues as Medicaid, Medicare, uh, health insurance, et cetera, in terms of higher conversation regarding the evolution of the human soul. And I think the left has paid a big price for it. There's a conversation that talks about and mentions the wisdom-based civilization. So the question for me is, you know, really digging deep to really explore what that is and to, to ask you if we have a model that we could point to of what that even looks like. You know, part of the genius of the American uh, system of government, particularly the ideal bequeathed to us by our founders, was the idea that a nation was being formed in which the wisdom and intelligence of the average person was deemed the most appropriate force to govern a nation. And what the founders believed was that the average person, not based on their education, not based on how much money they have, not based on their bloodline, who, you know, as in you're, you're aristocratic or not, mm -hmm. not based on class, not based on anything other than that they are an American citizen, that that average human being, if informed enough, which is why the free press was so important, which was why universal education was so important to our, to our founders, the idea of the founders was that the average human being, if well-informed, will be the greatest repository of the stewardship of this nation because the average human being, basically the principle here is, has a good mind and a decent heart. What has happened in the last few decades, particularly in the, in the United States, is that corporations have 
been speaking louder than the average person. This is very problematical because a corporation doesn't have a conscience. And also, in the given the profoundly toxic influence of money on our political system, particularly over the last 40 years, these two, and they're very related, of course, corporatism and, and the absurd uh, uh, Supreme Court ruling a few years ago that giving money to a political candidate was protected by free speech, mm. has, have conspired to marginalize the voice of the average American citizen. Now, just like we were talking about at the beginning of the show, mm -hmm. nobody can do it to you unless you allow it to happen. So even though these are huge social forces that have marginalized the average person's voice, it's not like the average person has been exactly fighting for their way back uh, into the conversation. And maybe uh, certain things are getting bad enough in the United States today that we will see this kind of rising up. Um, when you look, for instance, at how few Americans vote compared to how many actually have the right to vote, this is really an indication, I think, of how relatively few Americans are voicing their opinion within the political system. This goes back to what I was saying before. If this conference is emphasizing the 2008 elections rather than the 2006 elections, then there's a lack of understanding, I, I believe, because who controls the House and who controls the Senate is going to go a long way, not only towards uh, controlling a domestic and foreign policy over the next two years, but also who will be elected in 2008. So whether you speak of wisdom civilization, what is a wisdom civilization? All that a wisdom civilization means is that the civilization is basically ruled or by the best in people, what, what Lincoln called the angels of our better nature. And that's not just because wisdom leads our political decision-making. It also become, would mean that wisdom uh, prevails within our uh, corporate decision-making. Uh, business decision-making, educational decision-making, every area of our society. So a wisdom civilization to me just means that we all don't listen to TV as much as we've been listening to it. Mm -hmm. Turn off the TV, read better books, um, get deeper within yourself, and start presenting both politically and in every other endeavor that you participate in the deepest thinking of which you're capable Thank you. Thank you, Marianne Williamson. For those of you just tuning in, I'm here with Marianne Williamson. And apparently, uh, yes, I am opening up the phone lines. And, folks, you already know that because we already have people on the lines. Marianne, let's go to the phones. Yep. What do we have, Benny? Well, we're going to bring on Rose from Seattle. Hi, Rose. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks. Question for Marianne? I do. I'd like to know what do you consider are the steps for each of us to return to our own personal and authentic sacredness and release the toxic influences that you mentioned. Isn't that really going back to the basics for each of us, in a, so to say? Well, of course. And for, for me, this has a, a spiritual um, emphasis. Whether, for me, it's just like they say in AA, you don't get sober without a spiritual experience. Right. To me, the kind of depth, experience and authenticity that you're talking about um, a spiritual practice involving daily prayer and meditation to me is 
is deeply important. Now, someone might have been raised in a home where deep moral and spiritual values were so embedded in the values of the home that they might just be a basic mention. They don't, that this doesn't necessarily mean that there's a daily spiritual and meditation practice. But for any of us who think that we do need to get back, as it were, then to me, meditation is important, prayer is important, and whatever psychotherapeutic practice someone engages in. I mean, there's a, there's a plethora of, of, of truth systems, philosophical, psychological, spiritual, and religious. And I think that they're available for, I think, whoever, you know, there's, when the seeker seeks, the teacher and the teaching appears. So I think that for anyone who says, I want to get real in my life, I want to stop the BS, I want to become more authentic, or I want to become more integrous, I just kind of don't know how to begin. Dear God, please help me. Mm. I think books start jumping off shelves. Mm. So yeah. you're saying by holding the intention first and then eliminating some of the toxic influences like the TV and reading better books is... Well, I, I think it's simpler than that if, in terms of what Rose was talking about. I think that most people get to the point where non-integrous modes of thought and behavior ultimately do not work. But sometimes even when you know that the way you've been moving isn't working, you kind of don't know where to go, what to do. But I believe that, you know, there's a line in The Course in Miracles, the Holy Spirit responds fully to your slightest invitation. I think the simplest prayer for help literally, not figuratively, but literally puts the universe in motion to bring you what you need to access a more pure kind of life for yourself. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for for calling in and thank you Marianne. Uh, let's let's do this Betty. I know we've got so, some other callers on the phone here. Let's go to the phones and let's take our callers and so we don't keep them waiting. Sounds good. Let's bring on Heidi from Bothell. Hi, Heidi. Welcome to the show. Hi. Question I for have Mary a question for Marianne. All right. Um, well, and it's more of a, and I apologize, I, I, I did get to see you when you were here in Seattle, Marianne, and I, when you were introducing your book, uh, and I really appreciated um, the things that you had to say. Thank you. And I'm prefacing this question with knowing that I'm also talking about myself. So I already know that part of everything I'm about to say um, is the, the question is why aren't you doing it? But I've often, I mean, I'm, I was, I'm a little bit too young to have been involved in the 60s, but I'm old enough to certainly to have remembered the 60s and the impact um, of seeing people in the streets in, uh, you know, and, you know, millions of people marching on Washington and, um, and what the impact of that had on our society that changed our society. And the thing, the question that comes to my mind, and I think this was asked, I, I read it somewhere, it came from someone from France as well, is, you know, yes, there's 50% of people in America, and actually now, of course, there's more, that don't agree with our current political system. Why aren't we in the streets, in, in the millions, uh, screaming, saying that we want things to be that we, why isn't that happening? Well, I think that what walking through the streets what marching in the streets was to the 60s, walking through the halls of Congress is today. There is not today the specifics like the war, for instance, um, in Vietnam. 
where there were very, very specific policy decisions that were the focus of our ire. Today, it is a set of them. It is a prevailing worldview that dominates within politics. So the question for me is not why aren't we in the streets, it's why aren't we in our congresspeople's office? Why aren't we in our senator's office? When was the last time you made a constituent call? Um, and I am, and I am <laughs> in those offices. So when you say, why aren't you, I am. And as, a, uh, as the chairman and the founder of the Peace Alliance, that is our work. We train people in how to basically re-engage with the democratic system. The country that needs a, dem a democracy movement, a pro-democracy movement, is the United States of America. If George Bush wants to spread democracy, you know, his camp should start by allowing the votes to actually be counted in a presidential election. So that question, why aren't, uh, why aren't we in the streets, to me, is the question, why aren't people voting? And once again, going back to the fact this is a midterm election year. So the, what, what the streets were in the 60s, the ballot box is now. Um, we can, you know, and I'm not saying that protests in the street aren't, aren't a good thing, but I can tell you anybody who knows enough about how Washington works, there are marches in the streets every day. Mm -hmm. And that, that of itself isn't so important. But when you get the same, those same amount of people walking through the office buildings, uh, the congressional and senatorial office buildings, visiting their congresspeople's office, that's the kind of stuff that gets people's attention today. And I, I refer you to, uh, the Peace Alliance website, uh, www.thepeacealliance.org, or you okay. can get there through my website, marianne.com, uh, because uh, your point is very well taken, although that kind of activism today, as I said, has to do with actual uh, political activism, which the right wing figured out a couple of decades ago. Right, well, because I, I definitely, I know that it isn't because people in America don't care. I mean, people are, are constantly upset by this, and I think that that's one of the things you brought out in your book, was this constant anxiety that people are feeling about what's going on in our world and not knowing what to do with it. And as a consequence, you know, doing a lot of useless things like, um, uh, you know, ranting and raving and not doing anything that, that can count, that can make a difference, and maybe some of it is that we don't know how to do it. Well, I think and a lot of people don't remember the civics they were taught in the seventh grade. And so a lot of the ranting and raving is done by people who, if you ask them, well, what's your congressperson's name, couldn't tell you. If, if anybody listening does not know who your congressperson is or perhaps doesn't even know who your senator is or even if you know who your senators are, by the way, Maria Cantwell, uh, is this program, Dr. Pat, all in Washington? Yes, it is. Well, well it's in Washington Live. Uh, well, hello, streams. Maria Cantwell, Maria Cantwell, Maria Cantwell. Um, if you go to congress uh, congress.org, www.congress.org, and you put in your um, zip code, then you will... Um, you, you will get all the contact information as well as the names, et cetera, for both your senators and your congressperson. And I would like to take this opportunity to put in a pitch for Maria Cantwell because if you are interested in a, prevail, in a change in the prevailing worldview that dominates U.S. domestic and foreign policy, then do everything possible to change the balance of power in the U.S. Senate. And the citizens of Washington have um, a tremendous opportunity uh, to participate in just that this year. Um, regardless what the specifics might be, 
uh, policy-wise of Maria Cantwell, which many of you probably know better than I. I know that her basic philosophy um, in terms of the service of the government to the average U.S. citizen as opposed to uh, putting large corporations first is right on target. And I hope that anyone listening right now who cares about these things will do everything in your power to ensure her reelection. All right. Thank you, Heidi. Thank you so much for joining the show. We're going to take a short break. Thank you, Marianne. And uh, thank you for that word uh, out there for everyone. I know who my congressman is. I've interviewed him three times, Jim. Uh, congressman Jim McDermott, of course. Oh, I'm he's speaking great. about. Yep, absolutely. He's great. We'll take a short break. When we're back, we're back with Marianne Williamson. This is the Dr. Pat Show. And I would like to encourage you, if you do have a question, there may be a time to get you in. Also, live, L I V E at thedrpatshow.com, T-H-E-D-R, patshow.com. We're going to take your emails as well. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Don't touch that dial. You might miss something life-changing. Hey, this is Scott Mechlewitz. Uh, so happy to be on the Dr. Pat Show. Uh, please check out the Peaceful Warrior movie on June 2nd and visit the website at thepeacefulwarriormovie.com. Occasional digestion got you down? After meals, do you feel bloated, heavy, tummy hurt? Does occasional heartburn and indigestion or a just plain tired feeling take the energy out of your day? Vital digestive enzymes are needed to properly digest food and E12 provides them all. Customers often report a dramatic life improvement visit digesteasy.com that's digesteasy.com and discover e12 food enzymes the digestive secret thousands have benefited from you're listening to the dr pat show Talk radio to thrive by. You're invited to attend American Pacific University's Clinical Hypnotherapy Seminar August 11th through the 13th in Seattle for 40% off. Hypnosis is a scientifically verified and effective technique to help us change our lives. You'll learn how to guide yourself and others to lose weight, quit smoking, and be free of physical pain. Fascinating discussions, informative demonstrations, and interactive exercises will let you use hypnosis after only one weekend. Call 1-800-63-HYPNO or go to ampac.edu to learn more. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program. Here's Dr. Pat Basili. That's me. I'm not going to break out in song today. I'm going to hold back. I'm going to spare Marianne Williamson. <laughs> or at least wait till we take a shower together. Uh, okay, that we can arrange that. Um, you know, let's talk about this, uh, Marianne, because, you know, we just touched on this in the conversation with our listeners. We talked about the U.S. Department of Peace. And I really would like to have a, a longer conversation with you right now about that and also to encourage people to get involved. The U.S. Department of Peace legislation is legislation currently in Congress, originally uh, introduced by um, Dennis Kucinich. It has 64 congressional co-sponsors and now uh, has two senatorial co-sponsors as well. As a matter of fact, um, what every individual can do is call your congressperson, call your senators, and tell them that you wish for them to support the U.S. Department of Peace. This would establish a cabinet-level position in the executive branch of the U.S. government whose function would be to facilitate and uh, research 
nonviolent solutions to both domestic and international conflict. We do not strategize for peace. We treat peace as really just the absence of war, the way we used to treat health as the absence of disease. Right. We know better now. People proactively cultivate health. They don't wait till they get sick and then try to get well. I mean, once you get sick, of course you try to get well, but you try to proactively um, create and maintain health in your body. And that same kind of holistic shift in paradigm needs to happen now within politics, and the Department of Peace legislation is a reflection of such a shift. Just as we have a military academy, we should have a peace academy. This would be a real crown jewel of the Department of Peace, where people who are experts in conflict resolution, nonviolent uh, communication skills, etc., uh, bringing in psychological, spiritual, even emotional aspects of the amelioration of violence. You don't wait for a kid to become violent if there are more things that you could do to help the child to a place within him or herself where violence would simply uh, not be a, an expected uh, expression from a desperate heart. So we currently, within our governmental system, have no real institutional heft behind these kinds of efforts. We have little programs here or there, Department of Justice, Department of Education, etc., studying, let's say, conflict resolution in schools. But we don't put, once again, that term, it's a very Washington term, and I think it's a powerful one, institutional heft. You know, when you've got $400 billion going every year towards military expenditures, this bill would simply call that for 2% of whatever your military expenses are that year to be put towards an effort to strategize for peace whether you're talking about East Los Angeles or um, young people in Palestinian and Israeli territories. So that's what the Department of Peace would be. And once again, for anyone who feels this is a good idea, please call your congressperson. Please call your senators. And you can, as I said before, uh, find out more about that at thepeacealliance.org. You can get there through marianne.com. Uh, or if you feel you got the basic points already, just go to congress.org. Uh, put in your zip code, get the phone numbers of your congressperson and your senators, call them up, say this is a constituent call. I want my representative to co-sponsor that bill. And really, that's all it takes. That's I mean, we're takes. talking about if a we phone simply did call. enough, if we did more of that, that's all we're talking about. That's it. That's what we're talking about. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, you know, conversation. <laughs> what it takes for people to pick up the phone and really dial it. I mean, nowadays, it's uh, it's an experience I had at the last election where I put up a website and it was called IPledgeTheVote.com, and I put that website up, and it was it was interesting to watch. Not only just the people that came to the website, the people that pledged and what they did, but it was also interesting to watch the people that didn't come. Yeah. And that's what I'm most struck by, Marianne. I'm really just struck by how little effort we're making right now to really reclaim our voice. But I think what you said before is true. I don't think it's that people don't care. Oh, no. I think it's that people honestly don't remember what they learned in civics in the seventh grade. I don't think the average person in America realizes how much power they have. I don't think the big secret in America is how much power has been taken away from us. I think the bigger secret is how much power we have that we're not using. You know, I, it was very interesting. I, I remember a talk I gave. It was in Arizona. And uh, there was a gentleman who stood up, and he was outraged about a lot of what's going on in America and the world. And then he made some comment 
based on stuff I was doing, we said to the audience, you know, we need to be doing this. I mean, even if you don't have, like, a permit to lobby. I said, what? You think you need a permit to lobby your government? I mean, here is this guy who could not have been more passionate, but he didn't even know you don't need a permit to lobby. I mean, this is basic what the American Constitution is all about. You just call them up, email them, write them. And I thought that was so poignant mm. and sad that he thought you needed like a, a, a you needed some kind of permit. So that's why the Peace Alliance, when we have our conferences, and the next one will be in January of 2007, we teach basic civics to people. Because, and if, once again, if you go to the peacealliance.org website, you see this thing I wrote called Citizenship Primer. And uh, I hope that's helpful, the Citizenship Primer uh, at thepeacealliance.org. Well, actually, there are many things on the website that are really helpful. Not, not only uh, can, you, can you check out what, what's being said, there are articles here, there's information here. There are ways for us to really plug in. And, you know, you're going to be hearing us make sure that you know about thepeacealliance.org. Thank you, Pat. I mean, this is, this is really important, Marianne. And as a matter of fact, uh, if you can stay on for a minute or two, we'll bring you up in the, in the auxiliary room. And we'll actually record a, a promotion so that people yes, and know if to I get might there. take this opportunity, I want to acknowledge all the wonderful people in Washington who are the Department of Peace activists uh, working beautifully on this on this issue. And and maybe Pat, uh, I could put you in touch with Matthew, and you might want to have uh, you know one of the people or two of the people for, who are. Department of Peace activists in Washington on your program sometime. I would love to do that. that and as a matter so cool. of fact, Marianne, I think that uh, if you'd be willing to come back on my Voice America show, I have one of the top shows on Internet radio on Voice America, I would love to do a show just on this. That would be great. Thank you so much. And Thank if you, you so stay much. on, Benny will help you in the other room because I really want to make sure people know about this. And, you know, part of this is just saying it over and over and over again. It really is an invitation for each and every one of us to tap back in to that spirit that really does reside in each and every one of us. And this is really an invitation to do that. We get to choose whether or not we're going to bury the stuff that's going on or we're going to just let it come out and say, you know what, I really, really love my freedom. I really love what this is about for me. And I I do have a voice and I'd love to encourage each and every one of you to find that voice because this is truly in this country we do have the freedom to express ourselves this is Dr. Pat tomorrow we'll be here with Stephanie Durham make yourselves a great day thank you for joining us today for the Dr. Pat show talk radio to thrive by the Dr. Pat show can be heard live Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. on KKNW AM 1150 and every Tuesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Pacific on voiceamerica.com. So join Dr. Pat live or listen 24-7 at www.thedrpatshow.com. Views expressed on the preceding program are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers.